Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy Friday. We just about made it, everyone. Very snowy Friday here in the Northeast, but remember... It's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. I see why am I, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium Sized Business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice, a sounding board for business leaders, continuously learning and helping where I can. I'm big on the consultative approach, and like my guest here today, I love to share stories, provide perspective, and create connection where I can. Every single Friday, you can find me here, lending what's left of my mind and my voice to a live radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. In my travels, one thing I've noticed is that some of the absolute best thought leadership for SMBs happens here on Friday when we feel the freedom of the weekend upon us. However, we are all so anxious to start the weekend, myself included, that these crucial pearls of wisdom, they're often overlooked, they're swept aside, they're forgotten in favor of our fun weekend activities and our freedom from work. Here on the show, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. Another quick thought for all you folks out there, my last name means free in German. So the name of the show, a little bit deeper meaning, not just to play on words. My county has a blizzard warning in effect. But the shades are on anyway. The weekend is just about here. Let's do this thing before I have to shovel my driveway. Today's show is all about your corporate strategy general contractor. You guys are going to love this. When you're looking to take your business venture to the next level, you need the right people in your corner. Whether a business is looking for capital to grow, technology-enabled platforms to streamline service delivery, advice on the development of new product offerings, or any sort of guidance through the complex world of initial public offerings, IPOs, the right partner can make all the difference. Our special guest acts as a general contractor for firm corporate strategy and development while supporting work across the entire life cycle of a solution. He strives to deliver uniquely sourced strategic growth ideas and customized solutions with a focus on the asset and wealth management world. Big, Big time finance guy. Mark and his team help businesses from ideation to planning, to sourcing targets, to capital partners, to integrating and operating businesses as your operating advisory partner. So talk is cheap, people. We all know that. We're on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to just be talk. The goal here is let's use the insight that we get here today on the small, medium-sized business landscape. Let's use it to create some more impact come Monday morning. It's far too often that I see small, medium-sized businesses, as well as their trusted advisors, focused on the product that's going to help them solve all their problems, their shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, whatever you want to call it. One big time consistent thing I see out there is products change every single day and everything that we do, personal and business, no substitute at all for surrounding yourself with the right people first. Focus on the process that's going to help you achieve your goal. You do that. The right products will be there when you need them. I promise you everything begins and ends with the people. So in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people, which you know I like to do, we have a great show for you here today. Our very special guest, none other than Mark Irizarry. That's one R, one Z, and two R's. I learned that the hard way. Uh, founder at MSI Advisor. So Mark has decades of market cycle experience as thought leading asset management industry, industry analyst, global financial services investor, advisor to asset and wealth management firms, leader on strategy, capital markets, stakeholder relations. You want to geek out. He's definitely your man. 
built Goldman Sachs top ranked equity research franchise covering publicly traded alternative and traditional asset managers, bringing the alternative asset managers into the public markets in the mid 2000s, right after that dot com era got started. Deep alternative and traditional asset management sector knowledge, skilled at financial modeling and valuation analysis, known for strong corporate and client relationships, producing must read sector and firm specific research. He's got tons of content out there. Successfully started up an asset management firm in 2015, providing strategic and financial planning and operational expertise crucial to launch and growth. He's got a history of guiding business leaders and investors towards anticipating key industry themes, trends, and developing a deeper understanding of individual firms, industry, and capital markets positioning. He's a trusted advisor to capital allocators in the private and public markets within financial services and asset management with a huge network across the industry. In 2020, right at the beginning of the good old pandemic, he started MSI Advisor. MSI provides strategic advisory, asset and wealth management consulting services, and capital solutions to support evolution of clients, firms, platforms, and private equity portfolio investments. But I don't want to tell you any more. I want Mark to give you the journey. He is the man, a force to be reckoned with, a plethora of stories and analogies, by far the best person to speak to about this topic. We're obviously going to discuss my favorite three questions as well. Who is your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? Who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? Joining us from Bergen County, New Jersey, my man, a wealth of information, ready to geek translate at a moment's notice. Mark, welcome to Always Friday, baby. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. uh, Very exciting to be here. Um, I've been looking forward to this day for however many episodes uh, you've had. So, (laughs) I think this is number 62. I lost count somewhere, but you have a hell of a resume. Everybody knows that. You have some significant travels under your belt, and I know you like to talk about the journey more than the destination. Uh, So let's hear a little bit about the journey, baby. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually tired from hearing you talk about my journey, and I'm like, wow, (laughs) did I really do all that? Like, I I don't know if it's true. But But my story is pretty complex, but it's also really simple, which is, you know, I found my way uh, onto Wall Street uh, around the dot-com era uh, right before it, you know, and I had, um, I'd been in the fortunate position where, where uh, after graduating Cornell, uh, I paid off all my student loans uh, by trading some stocks, you know, pets.com and some other stocks. And, you know, I, I, there was a lot of learning there, but what I really wanted to do uh, was, was figure out more about like how to really uh, analyze, uh, you know, analyze a sector, become an expert in the sector and, and really understand, you know, what, why my stocks went up and then why they went down, you know, back in the 2000s. And that led me to, you know, th- that led me to my Wall Street career, which I spent the better part you know, of, uh, of a couple decades uh, as, a, as what's called a sell side analyst uh, and at a, fir- at a small firm uh, called Goldman Sachs, which, uh, you know, I may, that'll, that'll be one of, one of probably the last times that we'll talk specifically about Goldman, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of history uh, that I had there, you know, sure. Steve, as you mentioned, uh, taking the uh, alternative asset managers public, um, you know, that was a highlight of my career as an analyst. You're uh, recommending stocks. You're putting the buy sell ratings on these companies. You know, I had the really interesting uh, pleasure and also uh, lots of stories around uh, taking the alternative asset managers public, which are Goldman's biggest clients uh, to this day. Uh, and I covered, you know, the likes of Tiro Price and BlackRock as well, which are all asset management firms. Um, and I shepherded in to the public markets, um, uh, you know, Howard Marks, uh, Leon Black, uh, some of these really big names in finance 
Uh, and they were, again, they were Goldman clients. So lots of war stories there about having to put research ratings on stocks that are, you know, the firm's biggest clients. Biggest, so, so I learned no a pressure. little bit. I learned a little bit of diplomacy in those days. But anyway, during that time, it's when I met um, uh, the head of Goldman's investment management division internally. I was kind of a consultant internally for Goldman's investment management division, uh, particularly around the time of the of the financial crisis. Uh, and and he and, and then when I caught, you know, he actually uh, left to, to become uh, the president of Apollo uh, which is a uh, private equity firm. Uh, and then he called me one day and I was you know, thinking about uh, some things to do with the rest of my life, if you will. And then in the mid 2010s, he said, well, why don't you come help me build an asset management firm from scratch? And, and one of the things that's interesting about a career on the, on the sell side um, and, uh, you know, is that it's almost like the, the criticism, the, the undue criticism of teaching where it's like, well, you know, you're, you're telling us what to do, but you haven't done anything. So, you know, within six months, after after starting up Chiron, um, you know, it, basically in three years we went from zero to three billion dollars in assets under management before the fund was before the firm was sold in 2019. Um, and and man, in the beginning, I mean, I did everything. So there's a lot of you know a lot of entrepreneurial scar tissue that I, that I developed. Um, and also, I realized you know that a, a big part of of my sort of journey and progression had been you know, hey, all this institutional knowledge. Um, you know, getting more entrepreneurial uh, experience under my belt and actually doing and building a firm and seeing what it's like to, you know, open up multiple offices and hire 30 people and, and, and do, do, you know, and really build out because a lot of the asset and wealth management firms are, you know, these are really entrepreneurial businesses that need entrepreneurial people. But again, there's this whole world of things that I promised you I wouldn't talk about too much, Steve, around the technical investing stuff that nobody really wants to hear about. Um, so I kind of took a step back during... Uh, you know, the, the, when uh, around 2019, and I said, you know what, it's probably time for me to take stock of all this and go out into the world and just find like, where are the problems that exist in asset and wealth management firms? And how can, you know, my history, uh, you know, help solve those problems, um, you know, and do that in a more consultative way that's not product focused and product driven. And that really revolves around, you know, my knowledge, uh, my network, um, and then, um, you know, and then sort of just trying to, uh, you know, be as entrepreneurial as I possibly could. So this is, this is really entrepreneurial, what, I, what I've done here um, in building uh, this uh, uh, strategic advisory consulting practice, MSI, uh, which helps asset and wealth management firms, um, you know, think through a lot of issues um, that, that they have and challenges that exist, um, but really, you know, helping engage uh, and uh, ex envision what things could look like, and then ultimately uh, execute. And what I found is, you know, all of the things that I've done in terms of corporate strategy, firm strategy, product development, investing knowledge, that all matters to every business in every industry. And it's particularly acute in the small business uh, world where, you, where mm -hmm. you need to kind of take some of those big, not the knowledge and skills and actually do. And that's the most important thing I think is doing. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I, I'm going to talk about this when we come back from from the break. But uh, a, a vision without execution is just hallucination. Smart man, Thomas Edison said that. We're both Jersey boys, so it hits home. You know, I know we're also going to get into this, but you know, I know you're you're big on the Venn diagram type of concept, and you see a lot of what you and MSI do at, at kind of the crossroads of everything. We're we're going into a break here, but give us a quick one liner about how how you see yourself as the, as the intersection of the Venn. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, pointing that one out because again, I think it really is about you know 
uh, on the one hand, you have these big firms like McKinsey, and then you have firms or investment banks. So you have consultants and you have investment banks who do M&A and things like that. And you really have to be in the middle. And you really have to be in the middle of your clients too, or, or, your, or the world and thinking about who has a problem here, or who has a problem there. I sit in the middle, try and resolve, uh, try and identify the issues uh, and then solve for them in a way that works for everybody. Um, and then see where, you know, and see where things need to go from there. And that's really the key. Uh, that's really the key behind sort of tying it all together. I think the Venn diagram has got lots of, lots of, uh, I can't really read the words in there, but there's lots of implications, I think, for how to, you know, for the method for which you do things that, uh, that, that really distinguish the way, uh, you know, the way uh, small, medium-sized businesses really need to operate. Hold that thought, because we're going to dive into the method coming up next. We're going to be right back with Mark Irizarry, founder at MSI Advisor. Stay with us. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. It's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're here with Mark Irizarry, founder at MSI Advisor, strategic business consultant, catering to the asset and wealth management world, but just a great mind in general for connecting the dots. We were talking a little bit about the idea of envision, engage, and execution. And uh, I want to warm things up a little bit by my fire pit, which is actually covered in snow right now. But you know, just some quick thoughts here. Advisors need advice too. So the folks that really guide SMBs and, and other types of businesses, you know, their, their firms are evolving as well. They need some guidance. The concept of a trusted advisor is always, you know, kind of referred to re- as of late, but 
I have often functioned as a trusted advisor to trusted advisors, and I know that's a world that that Mark has traveled in extensively. There are so many opportunities and complexities associated with the space. You need a geek translator, and that's Mark. A lot of it because tells a great story, makes great analogies. I wanted to uh, throw out there just a, a book that makes that makes me think of Mark, uh, and I know I've referred to it on the show before, but Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. Talk, they talk about six ways to make your ideas stick, and it's a six-step process, and, and it's uh, the acronym for success, really. So simple, unexpected, uh, concrete, credible, emotional, and stories, which is something that I love to do and I know that Mark loves to do. But you know, we also talked briefly about the idea of execution, you know, and you know, one of Mark's strong points from ideation all the way to business operation. Again, we're Jersey boys, so the quote from Thomas Edison: "Vision without execution is hallucination." So, Mark, let's let's dive into this a little bit more. Give us the method behind the madness, the science behind what you do, what you're doing, how you're doing it, and how you go to market for it. Well, man, I you know, first of all, it's very hard to follow Thomas Edison <laughs> with, with anything related to scientific methods at all. Um, obviously, you know, science matters. And, and what's interesting is that when I, when I think about my journey into the financial markets, it really was all, it became all about frameworks and, and methodology. And that's a lot of fancy uh, words for explaining, like you have to have some kind of like, you know, way of doing things or testing your, your sci- scientifically testing your, your method. And, and what's interesting is that in today's fast-paced world, you know, it's like a, you know, uh, in technology, like businesses get started quick. It, people don't wait. There's a lot of capital, a lot of money around. They're, they're, it's willing to back ideas. Whether or not that lasts forever, I told you, Steve, I wouldn't talk too much about that. But <laughs> having, a, having a framework and a way of, um, you know, and a way of sort of thinking about the future, like you you, people go out into the world with a signal and, and, and if they hear something coming back, they start a business and, and, and the world. And I think the structure of the working world today, given the pandemic uh, backdrop, you know, has resulted in this, in, in this work from home world, but also in this, you know, in this sort of, um, you know, world of, of more, uh, of more people's, you know, being entrepreneurial, doing their own thing and not wanting to go back to sort of traditional uh, corporate, big corporate cultures um, and dare I say, you know, people might have side jobs that they're, mm-hmm. that they're that, at home, for example, side hustle, side hustle. Right. And and a lot, you know, I read something really interesting for me uh, uh, from an entrepreneur who's had some success. And he said and he said, look, don't give up your day job while you're doing your side hustle. That was like one of his pieces of advice. Like and so if you think that it's hard, you know. Look, we're Jer- we're Jersey boys, and I put that in quotes by the way because I you know, I did grow up in, in New York, and and actually <laughs> born in New York, New York. It says so uh, on my passport, so I'm a native New Yorker. Um, but look, I mean, we spent hours commuting from New Jersey, and so now like that time is spent like thinking about okay, can I start a business? Should I, you know, how do I do this? And, and of course, you know, during the throes of um of the uh, crisis of the of the pandemic, you know, people were were sort of playing triage to existing businesses, which helped, which meant that they had to pivot and figure out, you know, what to do. So, overall, from small, medium sized businesses and and also big big corporations as well, um, you know, you've had to you've had to have a framework for thinking about, okay, what do I do now? 
you know, how do I envision, you know, what the, um, you know, what the, what I want the end state of my business to look like. And that's what, you know, we engage on is saying, okay, we got here, but how, you know, but, but, you know, A, where do we want to go? And then what does that look like? And I, and, you know, and, and the whole, the whole um, concept is to, you know, engage, envision what this end state could be and then help execute to get there. And, and one of the, you know, one of the differentiating points between, you know, being an entrepreneur and being a McKinsey, which is, you know, a, a multi, you know, you, the, the cost of consulting for small mediums. I don't know how you can hire a firm like that. I mean, right. I look at what they charge. I, how do they, how do they do it? But, but if you take a step back and say, okay, you know, how, how can you get objective advice that's not transaction oriented? Because by the way, there's a lot of M&A firms. I see it all over the place that are just, you know, selling advisory franchises. Um, and again, I think you mentioned advisory, but just to be clear, asset and wealth management firms, you know, these firms are run by entrepreneurs, you know, Absolutely. but they're also investors first and foremost, or they are very good at marketing and sales and not great at running businesses in both of those cases, either they're geeks like, uh, I'll say like, like me, and I'll t- take that as a compliment. Either, either they're investment geeks who've been running, you know, who know a lot about the yield curve and the, the stock market and the bond market. Either they're these uh, geeks or, you know, or they're, you know, really good at marketing their wares and, and helping clients with solutions as advisors, right? As wealth managers and advisors. And, and there's, there's this whole sort of idea where I come in. It's like, listen, what do you want your business to look like? So, and that's where the Venn diagram kind of is. It's like, you need all these things. And I need to sit in the middle between the McKinsey's and the M&A guys who are just going to say, oh, well, you just sell your firm to here because we solve for the, we solve for the equation and you, you, you know, RIA firm ABC need to sell to DEF because, you know, it's going to result in X billions of dollars over time. But meanwhile, there's a whole host of things around, well, who are even these people that are coming into my office to pitch me these ideas? Who, what is an investment banker? What is an advisor? So like, so my advisory consulting services are, you know, when I first thought about what I wanted to do, you know, I want to provide objective, non-transaction oriented feedback and advice that's unconflicted and, and, help, and help shepherd my clients into the end state. And then I have the ability to execute. So it's always a question of, well, you know, who do you bring in to execute? And, it's, and that's a, a key part of the process too, but that's, but it's the journey. And yep. it's a journey that I try and help my clients go on. And a good example of a use case of this is, uh, is, is this recent uh, culmination of, um, you know, and again, I think Venn diagram has a lot to do with finding the solutions. If you can pull things together, um, you know, some folks need a certain set of solutions and they figure it out and you work with them. And then there's others. And in the rare instance, you know, of, of, of um, this recent strategic partnership uh, with SDA and HVIA, you know, we were able, I was able, then we were able to kind of come up with this idea of like, okay, well, well, let's envision what we want to look like. How do we get there? And, and it, it, on the rare occasion, you find, uh, you know, you find both, both uh, sides within your own network. And I found, um, you know, I've been able to do this with, within my own network. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to use it at first, um, just given the, you know, the, the, there's, there's a lot of folks in my network and, and it's like, wow, it's daunting to figure out how, what are you going to do? Who are you going to serve? Who are your clients? Um, but there's, but there's these, there are these problems that exist and solving these problems and being, uh, you know, an objective, you know, you can, I can help get to quicker decisions faster strategically for what you want to do with your business and and how you want to do it with whom, 
And, and that allowed me to kind of pull, you know, pull this strategic partnership together between H, HVIA, SDA, and also, you know, given that it sits on the American Portfolios platform, uh, which is another third party, you think about the Venn diagram of all <laughs> things, and you put it together and you say, look, let's, let's really think about a partnership that helps, helps solve for uh, each side's, you know, each side's issues and see how, you know, and see how, you know, where that can go and develop a better, a better way to sort of uh, move your business, move your business forward. So I want to, I want to pause for a second because uh, the strategic partnership that you put together is, is awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And it's, it revolves around connecting the dots of banking, asset management and wealth management. And to some people, that's just, oh, that sounds like all the same thing. And, you know, I know that there's, there's a lot of, of pieces to the pie, but, you know, I, I love the way that you're able to craft story and make analogies around it. With your resume, people wouldn't think of you in the same lens as a general contractor. And I love that type of analogy because it's, you know, you have creativity, you have an idea, you have hard work, and then you have where everything intersects in the Venn diagram, you have good design. I want to drop something on you real quick. So there's an article I read in Inc. Magazine. It was talking about what's the essence of leadership. When you look around and count the leaders, not only in your sphere, but your colleagues and your coworkers, bosses and supervisors, but also the leaders remembered from history, folks like Lincoln, FDR, Churchill, Martin Luther King, who we spoke about a great deal last week. What's their defining quality? What's the common denominator? What's the characteristic they all share? Yes, they have charisma, which I'd like to think that both of us have. Thank you very much or the ability to give a great speech. But in fact, some leaders are actually terrible speech makers and they lack charisma. But what they did and what great leaders do today is that they execute. They're able to make things happen, drive results, move agendas, drive ideas through the organization. And something that, that we've spoken about, about driving the ideas through the organization is kind of the intersection of the air war meeting the ground war. So give us a little bit on this because I love this type of discussion. Yeah, so that's a great. Uh, so, so I'm glad you brought that up, and I and I, I didn't think we could leave a conversation without this air war, ground war metaphor. And and as you know, I'm a, I love I love the metaphors. Um, you know, and I think probably too probably too much. Um, you know, I was I was known when I was writing Wall Street research for these like cryptic clever titles. You know, but. <laughs> And the reality is it was a marketing gimmick. I think they get people to read my research and, and they did. And they did. I, I didn't think it was the models or the, uh, or the, uh, the views on the price targets on the stock. But, but I think, the, you know, the important concept around leadership is understanding that, you know, we're in the trenches. And I think trench warfare is a good, you know, a good sort of parallel. I actually was in a client's office and he was showing me uh, this movie that pre uh, World War One movie where the troops were in the in the in the trenches fighting the war in the trenches. And I think it's important from an execution perspective to uh, you know to fight the battle every day, you know, and and you know and get you know and be in the trenches and and to execute to that point. But from time to time, if you continue to fight that fight in the trenches and something comes out of the air. And blows up a part of the field when you think you're, you know, moving downfield trench to trench. And yeah, and I, I see you've got some, uh, you know, some missiles or, or something dropping out of the air. It's a couple, maybe an atomic bomb. Like short of, by the way, atomic <laughs> bombs happen. We'll talk about that in the madness part because obviously when you're in the markets and you're dealing with asset management firms and wealth management firms and trying to figure out strategy, the markets drop drop bombs 
all the time. So you're used to dealing with chaos, but when you're, when you're running a business, you need execution. You need someone in the trenches doing things, but you also need to realize when there's bombs that have been dropped. Um, and I yep. think that's a large part of, uh, you know, when you take a step back and consider, okay, done all this work. And by the way, Friday, of course, is a good time to do it is on, really on Saturday or maybe Friday because <laughs> you're in the trenches fighting the fight as a small business owner. There's always a crisis. And if you can't yes. find a crisis, by the way, the crisis is that you don't realize there's an air war that's about to start or has started and you haven't planned around it. You haven't done your strategic planning and thinking around it. And, you know, how do I, and, and again, how do I do it and how do I execute even on the strategy side? Uh, and that's always the hard part is like, you know, making the time to consider the, you know, what's going on in terms of uh, the dynamics uh, and how to get there. I mean, when we started Chiron, you know, I recall, you know, which grew into a $3 billion mutual fund company, which was sold. The, uh, the, the, the idea of starting a mutual fund company when we did and, and getting onto Merrill Morgan, all these, all these wirehouses, it was, oh, you can't get on with mutual fund, you can't do this. Not possible. Hold right. that thought for one moment because we want to hear more about your battles from the trenches in just a moment. When we come back from this break. We'll be right back with Mark Irizarry, founder at MSI Advisor. Stay with us, everybody. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my good man, Mark Irizarry, founder at MSI Advisor. We were getting into it just now, and once, once you get Mark going, it's hard to stop him. But we were getting into it just now about the idea of balancing the air war with the, with the ground war. And this is something that happens with small, medium-sized businesses and their trusted advisors regularly, where 
You need to work in the business, but also on the business and strike a happy balance between the two. Mark and his team at MSI Advisor, great folks to help you get there. They are the glue that holds everything together in the Venn diagram. So we want to get a little bit into the madness here with Mark. And I know he's got decades worth of stories to bring to the table. So I'm excited to hear them. So Mark, again, this is the artistic observational part of the program here. No story too taboo. Anything goes. We want to hear a little bit about the stories from the field in the trenches, you know, What's some of the madness that you've seen as of late? Yeah, so you know that I'm going to violate what we talked about and talk about the markets. But we'll, ah, we'll crap. That in a second. First, a shout out to NYC, talkradio.nyc, because you did say Jersey Boy. And again, I made the distinction that I'm a native New Yorker. So shout out to talkradio.nyc. I mean, it's tri-state, hopefully. Um, but uh, but here we go. So, Look, I mean, we we are in a we are in a world where the air war that's being fought for asset and wealth management firms is being fought because of, but uh, what I call both um, uh, structural things, and and that's a fancy word for things that are going to be around for a long time, and then some some cyclical things, which is a word for uh, describing the zaniness that's known as the market. Okay. The, the structural, and when I say the market, I'm talking mainly about the stock market, but there are many markets, just to be clear. Uh, that's, that's, we'll save that for another time and all the details. But the structural things that really are the air war right now for, um, and this relates a lot to, to, my, you know, to stories that I'll share, but you know, is things like demographics are changing in, in interesting ways where people are, uh, you, know, you have this aging population that has uh, concer- concerns, baby boomers who are retiring and want some more safe things. And then you have this whole legion of people who are coming into the markets for the first time, trading stocks, you know, buying options, doing all this stuff. And so there's sort of this interesting demographic dynamic going on and it's causing all these new phenomenons and all this new stuff, right? Like you know, digital assets and and, uh, you know, uh, technology and different, different uh, robo-advisor type things. And a lot of this stuff is really, you know, everyone says disruption. Uh, and it's true. But a big part of this is really the, the changing tastes of, of, the, of, the end, uh, of the end client. So, like, when you think about, like, this air war that's going on, like, this is, this is going to take a while, right? Like, these things are going on in terms of demographics. And technology is a, is a big part of this. You know, these are, these are things that aren't going away. On the on the story side and the and the madness, okay, the madness comes from the markets, and it comes from the economy, and it's stuff that nobody wants to really, you know, talk too much about, until something goes really wrong and you wake up and your account balance is down, and you check your statement, and then you call your advisor and say, hey, you know, what happened here, and and the industry is really, you know, in my mind, it's it's morphed a bit, you know for good reason toward solving problems the same way I'm discussing rather than selling products. But the issue is, you know, the cycle comes up from time to time, rears its head, you know, I, I, and, it, and it destroys a lot of value and a lot of business plans and a lot of capital and really good ideas get thrown out, you know, during these cycle periods. So, I mean, I remember during the financial crisis, you know, we had just taken all the alternative asset managers, public Blackstone, Apollo, KKR. I mean, these, these companies right now publicly trade, they have hundreds of billions in market cap, you know, probably close to half a trillion, if not more. And there's a lot of private companies uh, that are out there in the asset management space and the wealth space, the RIA space, very similar playbook here to what 
we saw in the asset management space where you have this consolidation trends going on. And then of course, there's like this nascent digital asset business of crypto that people are trying to figure out, like, can these firms become, you know, real businesses over time uh, as all these things I just described around younger generations wanting the new shiny things and, and, and all that stuff. But I mean, man, like one of my best stories, like when I took all these companies public, like these, these companies immediately went to, you know, near zero in terms of their valuations, even though we knew that, um, you know, that there was a future, but, but the markets and things that are going on today are very different than, uh, you know, than sort of what's out there in the future and what you can invest in. So, I mean, man, I don't know how much gory detail you want or boring detail, maybe for some, but like, can you imagine the seat that I was in at Goldman Sachs when we had to tell Henry Kravis and George Roberts, who are the founders of KKR, that even though they think that their business is worth, you know, 30 billion, that it's 2009 and the market is here. And if you're going to try and take your firm public at this time, this is what the fair value of your business is today. You know, I thought there was a much fairer value for my house in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. <laughs> but if yep. I went to sell my house, that's the market today. And so there's this air war, ground war analogy in there. And this is, you know, and I've had many battles where you're on the battlefield, you know, trying to sit down with people who are just trying to transact, you know, the bankers who are coming in or the, and, and again, I, I, I understand both sides as a, as a, all three sides of this, right? You have the business owner, you have the, um, you have the sort of advice in the end state that you need to get to from McKinsey that you paid millions of dollars for. And then you're paying these bankers, you know, 6% of, of all of, of, you know, and these are your babies. Like if you're a small, medium-sized business owner, like these are your babies. But a lot of these founders acted like babies, even though they ran the largest <laughs> private equity firms in the world. So, so the point is that founders mentality is a real thing. Oh yeah. Challenges that existed and things that I helped solve for and identify for decades with these largest firms, you know, they're, they're all, they're all uh, applicable the small, medium-sized businesses. So let, let's let's talk. Let's dive deeper on that. So you know, you mentioned a couple of times the digital world, and you know, to bring it back to last week when our mutual friend Brian Ehrlich was on here, a payments genius from Heartland, right? You sent around this this report to us. Uh, you know, money and payments in the U.S. The digital age of like in the you know the in the age of digital transformation. Like this is something that's directly related to getting down to the, to the small, medium-sized business world. You know, talk to us a little bit about some of the stuff that you've seen regarding the digital transformation here. Yeah, so I knew that report, that would come back to haunt me. And that yeah! definitely, it's definitely geeky, okay? I'll, I'll admit it. When you send uh, money and payments, the U.S. dollar in the age of digital transformation written by the uh, Fed, that's Federal Reserve paper. And this paper was meant to give a framework again, fancy word, for understanding how the Federal Reserve, which oversees banks and, and, over, and, and has, a, has a point in terms of stability of pricing, as we all know with the Fed and interest rate decisions, this is their view on digital, on digital assets and big, things like Bitcoin. And, and it's, this delves into central bank digital currencies. And this is, to me, I mean, this is the most cutting edge point to figure out, okay, what, you know, how, like, there's no question that the payments world, and Brian Earl last week is on top of this, payments, it takes too long. When you swipe your card and that thing spins, people are making money, it's costing you money, it's unclear, and there's this whole world of payments where things need to be more efficient, 
infrastructure needs to be more efficient. So some of these um, technologies that exist out there that support some of these digital assets and crazy things going on with pricing of cryptocurrencies, you know, there's real technologies there that are, that are important. And I think this paper tells you that if there is this idea of a central bank digital currency, a digital dollar, if you will, that, that, and, and exploring that, um, and the Fed is exploring it and, and, and telling you, here's our framework for thinking about it, and we're willing to take some comments because they know it's inefficient. There's inefficiencies out there. It's 2022. But if I go back to even some of my boots on the ground, Mark, like even the week before Brian was on the show, my buddy Johnny uh, was on the show as well. And he is general manager of, of uh, Baron Birch, a Russian banya like bathhouse. That's a, that's like 10 minutes away from my house. They take Bitcoin up front now in their payment system. So it's like it is something that's definitely translating to the small, medium sized business world. Yeah, it, it is. And also like. Getting back to the structural and cyclical air war, right? There's two components of it. This is structurally not going away. Nope. So yes, the price can go down 90%, but the idea of faster, more efficient payments is not going to go away. And actually, one of the other big trends is financial inclusion, which I think we saw a good bit of that, you know, including more people in the equity market who were, you know, the AMC movement, which, you know, moved down eventually. But, you know, having... <laughs> Having more uh, inclusion in the financial system, this is, there's also a mandate for that as well. And digital uh, transformation will play a role in that. What about the idea of the peer-to-peer accounting piece, piece of it? Because I always thought that was, that was a big piece. And it's, you don't even really hear about that too much. Yeah, I think when, I think when you take a – you could see this in two, in two forms. You know, one is like the amount – if you look at public companies, look at the amount – JP Morgan is spending $15 billion on technology. $15 billion. That's actually – I think like the 13th largest bank in the U.S. might have a $15 billion market cap. So think about the, how much uh, is being spent in, in, in exploring, uh, you know, becoming more efficient. But look, there's legacy, there's, there's safety and soundness and principles, and it has to be done thoughtfully. And in this world of sending out a business plan, getting a signal back and just starting something, you know, there's probably there's some cyclical elements of that that I think will be, you know, are going away very quickly uh, but then there's still the structural stuff that you got to watch that air war because it's going to impact the way that you operate your business and it could be helpful. Would you consider, because I, lo- I love the thought process, and we got to take a, take a quick break here in a second, but the structural side of things, more on the method, and then the cyclical stuff arguably can present some madness components, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's like the number one piece of the madness of solving for uh, you know things on the asset and wealth management side. No question is the, you know, these trends that these, big seismic shifts that are going on. But then the cycle, like it's the old story, the uh, the six foot tall man who drown, drowns in the river that's five feet deep on average. Mm-hmm. Cycles happen. We haven't seen a deep cycle in a while. But, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be, you want to be aware of that, you know, when you're trying to get to that water and say, okay, can we make it through these periods and how this works? Cycles do happen, even if we haven't seen one, you know, in quite a while here. And, you know, I think that that's in, that's where the chaos, that's where the madness really is. And, and it affects your cost of capital rates, interest rates go up, your co- your cost of capital goes up. It's a fancy way of saying that you better make sure that you understand your pricing. Obviously, there's inflation, lots of um, lots of implications around that. And these are these are cyclical things. And, and, and these are the things in the air war that like when you're running a business, you're like, well, what does this all mean? And then you wake up and you see, you know, you see some impacts on your P&L. 
Love it, man. Great sentiments. We got to take a quick break, but we will be right back with my man, the Geek Translator, Mark Irizarry, founder at MSI Advisor. Stay with us. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my good man, Mark Irizarry, founder at MSI Advisor. Don't forget, everybody, if you like entrepreneurial discussion, I really hope you caught this episode today if you do, but uh, if you like entrepreneurial discussion, SMB Talk, stay with talkradio.myc for the 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time show, The Entrepreneurial Web with Jeremiah Fox, great personality, great guests. Don't miss it. But back to my man, Mark, and MSI advisor. We're going to take things home with the message part of our show. We're all about giving weekend insight to make Monday impact. I feel like you and I could talk for this entire week about our associated methods and madness. But, you know, as far as the message goes, give us some sound bites that folks can really remember over the weekend when they're taking time, having cocktails, shoveling their driveways, whatever it's going to end up being this weekend. You know, something that they could really put into practice come Monday morning. Lay it on us, brother. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I'm, I was really excited to be on today because when I was at, when I was at Goldman, I, we did, we used to do this morning call and what it was, was as an analyst, you'd get on and, you know, there would be, um, you know, the, the analyst who covered Google and they would talk about Apple and they would talk about handset sales and pitch the stock. We're upgrading it. Here are our earnings. Here's where we're going. Here's why I should buy it. And that call went out globally to, um, the entire global sales force, Goldman Sachs, uh, and to clients who, um, you know, to work uh, investing clients who are managing mutual funds, hedge funds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would get on that call every Friday. I had a, almost a standing part of this call and, and it was called, we, we, we affectionately, the head of marketing at that time, Chris, Chris Hussey, he, um, 
he would say, here's Irizarry with the, with the Friday flows. Let's go. And so I would, I would use Friday <laughs> as a chance to talk about the mutual fund flows and where investors were putting their money. And when, by that, I mean, and the flows are where money tra- is traveling to and from, which firms, you know, the, 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 the T-Rows, the Black Rocks, the, the Fidelities, the alternative and traditional, where are these flows going? And, and that, was, that was really a big part of my research that I did at Goldman. And what I found was that like, we had a lot of success with this call on Fridays because Fridays are a day where I think, you know, people, I don't know if they're out Thursday night a little bit late or whatever it is or whatever it is on Friday. So I'm excited to be on always Friday because this is the time. Like if you think back to this idea of like air war, ground war and having and thinking strategically, I mean, man, if you're, if you're thinking about your business and in this case, this is how I had this momentum with my Friday flow piece. Um, and this is, I think, part of the message is like, you have to st- think strategically and make the time for it. There was, I had a lot of traction with Friday flows because mm-hmm. it was about the business. It was about the industry. So everybody wanted to know what was going on with their competitors, you know, what, what, what the trends were. And, and it was a time, you know, it was Friday was a time, I think also the breakthrough um, if you were a junior person, because the senior people will go play golf. So, you know, you, you know, or, or whatever they, you know, they would, they would leave. And then, then like the junior or middle people will kind of, yeah, there you go. We got, we got a little image of Ron, Ronnie Dangerfield that said, they think, yeah, did you find my golf game? Is that, is that actually? <laughs> I, I love it. This is one of my standard backgrounds. I can't help yeah. myself. Yeah. So, so, the, so the message is, you know, it gets back to strategy. Like, you know, you, you have to find the time and, and uh, to uh, envision the end state for your business uh, and then, you know, engage and figure out, okay, how do we, you know, spend this time and, and, and think about it and execute and how do we execute it and find the right, you know, people to, uh, help us shepherd us through all the services that and products that are out there or transactions that are out there and really be consultative about it. And that was a big part, I think, of the momentum with Friday, uh, with the sort of Friday flows uh, piece that we had, because the industry participants, our client, the clients I had at the time, they cared about the competitive landscape and they were taking every week, you know, where where is this money flowing? Where is it going? Um, and then I also, you know, you also find that there is a, uh, you know, especially now, there's lots of questions around, you know, around some things with the economy and what's happening. But the message is, you know, you got to really think about this trench warfare. I mean, you know, when we started um, Chiron, uh, which is a mutual fund company that grew from zero to three billion in less than three years. And I sat down with the, you know, the capital partners and, and they turned to me and they said, Mark, where are we going to land this plane? And I said, we're going to land the plane here. And everybody in the room said, or some people said, all right, we really have to test this thesis and, and figure this out. And I went, you know, did the, did the research and said, look, you know, we can, this is the channel that we should pursue. This is what we should do. And this is where there, you know, there's credibility and marketability. And lo and behold, three years later, you grow, but, but there's a lot of trench warfare that has to go on. And in that process, I observed a lot of this air war, ground war dynamic around you know, moving your business strategy forward, but also put it, you know, also executing. Um, and I think, you know, the message is like, use your, use your Fridays wisely. You yeah. Know? And I'm not going to plug uh, always Friday <laughs> again, but, like, but something it's- special about Fridays and, you know, come Monday, like, you know, hone that strategy over the weekend and then put it to work Monday and, and yeah. hit the ground running Monday and, and make it, you know, take that information and make it happen um, and that's, you know, I think that's kind of the message when I think about 
the message that 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 I've seen throughout my career, you know, taking these these ma- the madness of the markets, making that work for you in different crises and trying to stand up businesses and but put it but standing them up requires real thoughtful um real thoughtfulness but also and but execution too because you know time you know time to money is going to get a little bit tighter in terms of the cost of capital like i described with interest rates rising multiple times and markets are coming you know adjusting a little bit to this new world not in a panicky way but you know there's um there's there's all these other things are still going on these all these structural things are not going to go away so you know, figure, taking some time to really think about what you want the end state of your business to look like for the right reasons, you know, for, um, you know, here's, here's where we need to go. Here's what we need to do. Yeah. Be awful about that. I mean, do that on Friday, do it on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday by Monday. You're good to go. It gives you a lot more clarity on the journey. And obviously I love what you said. It's kind of fundamentally aligned with the way I think. And to, if you permit me a small pun, I feel like it's somewhat our call of duty with the trench warfare, which is very much like this ground war. A lot of my friends like to play call of duty. Uh, but this is the, this is the idea is, you know, you kick off the week in the beginning with kickoff calls on Monday morning. Then at the end of the week, it's really important to have that reflection time and wrap it up. And it's one of the reasons why I love doing the show is so we get some of those nuggets, that weekend insight to make Monday impact kind of crystallized so that we can pass it on to people. So I can't thank you enough for having joined me here today. I was looking forward to it for a long time. We have to do it again because we can fill a whole week worth of material. But before I let you go, we're going to revisit the answers to my three questions. Who is your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument, along with who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? So without further ado, uh, your favorite TV show character is none other than Jerry Seinfeld. And I, I, I got to say, when I put your face on, on Jerry's body in, <laughs> in a weird way, I never noticed it until you said it. You, you kind of look like a more sadistic, twisted version of Seinfeld, if that's possible. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely possible. Again, uh, you know, having been a transplant from Staten Island, New York to uh, the Catskills and, you know, the, having a family in the hotel business up there. I mean, comedians always were part of my life. So maybe, you know, maybe that was me reincarnated in some way, shape or form. Who knows? <laughs> and, and, and me, too. Comedians have always been a big part of my life. But what I really like about the character of, of, of you know, Jerry in, in the show Seinfeld is he's usually the voice of reason amongst his, his friends, crazy antics. And like he's the focal point of the relationship. So in a lot of ways, it kind of mirrors your thoughts with MSI and how you're yeah. the intersection of the Venn diagram. I mean, he's the master of the obvious, right? He really is the master of the obvious. And, and uh you know, if you have to dissect the logic of doing something, get to a decision quicker. I mean, you need someone who's just going to be like, eh, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But did you think about this? You know, and, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, and he does. You got to do it with humor. I mean, that's the key, right? Like if, uh, if I'm not having fun, I'm not making money. I, I very firmly believe in that. So right. your favorite movie is Goodfellas. So we're all we all love that one story of Henry Hill and his life in the mob. So I, I remember the words, you know, you'll like this guy. He's a good fella. And I I kind of look at you as that perpetual good fella who you could always turn to for advice, even in the most complex, ridiculous of situations that you come into. But uh, also the that that painting from the movie. It's like you're really good at painting the picture. So you know, what do you want from me? You know? Well, yeah, and the hair, the hair uh, has since been cut, but it might have been, uh, it's going, it's going to be that gray as, as the man with the one dog pointing, the dog pointing that way and the <laughs> eye looking the other way. And uh, a lot of interesting uh, points there because the, you know, I think it really is like growing up on, on Staten Island. I mean, you know, these things really, some of these things really did happen, but, you know, you were younger in the 80s, so like trying to 
you know, piece up, piece together why there's a burning car like outside because of your <laughs> block. and you just go, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you just, you carry on and, and, and that's it. Bring things home here. Your favorite instrument and the artist you'd like to hear play it. I thought you were just trying to mess with me to see if I can get your face on these, but you said the piano, and first you said Mozart, and then you said Beethoven, which I was able to get your face on both of them, so don't challenge me, uh, but also got into the movie versions, too, of Mozart and Beethoven from Bill and Ted's. I couldn't resist myself. I just I love it. Uh, but also, not sure if you're aware, but your last name, Irizari, actually means ancient village, and I know it's a village in the Pyrenees. So while Mozart and Beethoven are an ancient, definitely vintage. Mark, thanks again for joining me here today. Again, Mark Irizari, MSI Advisor. You want to reach him, M-A-R-C at MSIAdvisor.com is his email address. Look him up online. He's got content anywhere, 1R, 1Z, then 2Rs. We got to wrap this up. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking to my friend Lori Cartman, CEO of Lori Cartman and Company, management consulting, franchise consulting, author, award winner. She's a force to be reckoned with as well. Until then, thank you for joining us on Always Friday. We hope you gain some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. Have a great snowy weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week, 11 a.m. Eastern time, right after Tommy D on Philanthropy and Focus. Bye-bye, everybody. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us.
host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.